Broadcasting from high atop a national monument in Rapid City, South Dakota, this is the Mount Rushmore Podcast, a top four ranking podcast, and by that, as always, I don't mean that we rank in the top four podcasts, but that we rank the top four of any given topic, and this episode, the topic is the Mount Rushmore of Wayne's World, and the guys who are bringing it to you are my good friends Richard Hello. and Michael. Party on, Jeff. And Jeff, by the way, Party um, on, I Michael. think we are one of the top four most rank We are the rankest podcast. I've been meaning to talk to you about Oh, God. You really got a shower, buddy. Is this an intervention? Yeah, you, you got you, you to gotta have some hygiene here. Who, who brought this ivory spring? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we'll party on Michael and party on Richard, as you said. Uh, this is uh, Wayne's World, and who chose it? This was my topic, and a couple of there were a couple of reasons. One, I, as we all did, grew up watching Wayne's World. Yeah. Um, I brought a picture to show you guys, and we'll put it on the website or do something with it. It's a picture of me from maybe 91, 92-ish. Yeah, it's a great Me being 12, 13, just chubby. Big old smile wearing a Wayne's World hat. And what I'm fascinated about Wayne's World is that it really was a big thing to the point where they had hats. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was a thing that Saturday Night Live really feels like it peaked in terms of popularity and pop culture-ness around 92, 93, 94. At that point, they realized that they had as much power and they pushed out the Wayne's World movie. Mm-hmm. Then they pushed out the Coneheads movie. Then they pushed out Wayne's World 2. Then it's they pushed Pat. out It's, it's Pat. Pat. <laughs> they, then, then they realized, oh, we don't have as much power as we have because yeah. all of them but lost money. But then they money. continued to make the movies, though. It's astounding. I was looking down the list of like different Saturday Night Live character, and they all <laughs> lost money except for the first Wayne's World. I'd love to talk about Wayne's World, the entire Wayne's World universe, or I call it dark universe, <laughs> is that it's not just – it wasn't just a movie, as probably a lot of people remember it. Yeah. It wasn't just a – kind of crummy sequel but this tv show made appearances on mm-hmm. mtv yeah had a kind of a wider cultural range yeah. and that wow it's a really easy to do halloween costume that's true oh yeah um so i just think that it's interesting that a very simple concept kind of caught on and you know mm-hmm. especially with wayne's world 2 kind of spawned a you could see all of these embers of whatever became Austin Powers mm-hmm. in Wayne's World too. Yeah, pretty interesting to see. We'll, like, we'll, the, we'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael chose it, so Richard, you start. All right. So Jeff, uh, just real quick, humor me. Okay. Um, could you try and pitch... I'll take my shirt off. Yes, and then okay. after you do that, okay. Could you try to pitch Wayne's World as a sketch to me? Uh, like if we were sitting down at a writer's table for a week of Saturday Night Live and no one had ever seen it before. Okay, I'll try. Okay, yeah, give me a, give me your pitch. These two teenage kids have a public access show. Done, nope. Oh, man. Not interesting. But it's funny. No. But it'll be the way they say it. No. Okay. They have catchphrases. Everyone has catchphrases, Jeff. Shit. That's basically what how I pictured most of the time Wayne's World being pitched like around the office at SNL. Yeah. And, in fact, it was actually the first thing that Mike Myers pitched as a sketch when he got to SNL. Is that right? Huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is in the Life from New York book. Um, you mentioned, I think, in uh, a video we did. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, this was actually a character that he first created in back in the late 80s or mid to late 80s in Canada. It was like Wayne driving around in a van or something. There's something uh. called the rock and roll. I think it's called It's Only Rock and Roll mm. on the on the CBC or the CB, mm-hmm. as we call it. 
And yeah, it was called yeah Wayne's Rock and Minute or something like that, where he was just him in a van talking about rock and roll stuff for a minute. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's where he kind of got the character. Um, so he comes to SNL. First week there, he's kind of starts talking to Conan O'Brien, who's working as a writer at the time. And apparently Conan O'Brien tried to vehemently to discourage him from pitching it as his first thing. <laughs> so this is not going to fly. It's not, you know, try to give him these reasons why it's not going to get picked up. And now it's nobody remembers weird. Conan O'Brien. That's ironic. Whatever happened yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, but he decided to do it anyway. And uh, it, it was the the first time it was done, it was actually in the uh, 10 to 1 slot. Oh, which is the where graveyard, yeah. the graveyard where they tend to put like really weird writer, writer yeah. type ideas. Yeah. And uh, Mike Myers thought it went well during the show, but then he realized he came to 30 Rock the following Monday to, to start working on the next show. And the uh, security guard was singing the Wayne's World theme. Oh, wow. So he's like, wait, this actually people actually saw this. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of blossomed from there. So I guess the whole point of this is. Absolutely no one, except for Mike Myers, thought that Wayne's World would work as a sketch. Mm-hmm. And wow. it shouldn't work because it's such a, as as our little play, I think, showed. Yeah. It's such a, <laughs> basic, a light pitch. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a light, like, pitch. Uh-huh. If you don't, if you hadn't seen the characters and, like, now you look at it, it's like, well, yeah, obviously I understand everything about these characters. They're so well drawn out. But just pitching that, it must have been like a real leap of faith to say, yeah, we'll give that a shot. Yeah. I I have this feeling about Wayne's World that as it gathered in success, it almost became like, okay, I'm an unabashed fan of the Batman program from the 60s. It became a show where people wanted to cameo on. like the, We'll get to that, yeah. Like the scenes where Batman's crawling up the side of the, the building and heads would pop out. Yeah. yeah. I felt like other cast members were doing that and guest stars were doing that. Yeah, we'll get into okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. For sure. All right, so uh, Richard came off uh, with his first choice. Michael, what's yours? Uh, mine is my first choice. I wanted to start off with what I thought was their most memorable sketch. Sure. Which was uh, the Madonna's Justify My Love dream sequence. Okay, so I've got celebrity guests on there as one, so we can just sort of take this as one big thing. Sure. What okay. You're looking that, at me skeptical. Unless there's other celebrity guests. I don't, I don't know. Is that going to be there are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There are. Okay. Do you have other celebrity guests on your list? No, no, no. Okay, okay good. I, 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 talk about, we'll talk about Madonna, and then I can transition into... Of all stuff. of the things that uh, the uh, Wayne's World duo of Wayne and Garth really kind of um, are known for, it's that they are just like these tremendous dorks that lust after women. Yeah. And... Uh, I Madonna they at the, they might say swing. Yeah. Um they when Madonna's Justify My Love came out, they had an entire episode before this episode of them talking about that video, of them breaking it down. Mm-hmm. And then when Madonna came on to to SNL as a musical guest, I think it was either later that season or um maybe the following season, they had this amazing dream sequence where they do this a lot too. They would jump into dream sequences in their uh <laughs> <laughs> they reenact things. And just his interaction with Madonna, it feels he feels very much at home talking to uh Mike Myers, talking to big name people. Mm-hmm. He's very comfortable as an actor and as a comedian, just like he was just like shooting the shit with Madonna, yeah. like lying on her bed and like she was willing to go along with 
making which, out with him. Which was his first time having an on-screen kiss. Oh, was it? Was with Madonna. Uh, That's not intimidating yeah. or anything. But, like, he is so natural, and the, and the sketch itself, you know, it turns into black and white like the video. Garth is dressed up in, like, a black latex suit. Uh, Does he have the enormous uh, package? Yeah, him? <laughs> just like I think Madonna even says, "Look at look at the unit on that one." Yeah, and it turns out to be Garth, mm-hmm. and just the entire thing is just so wonderfully conceived, and only really could have been done because of what they had laid the ground, the groundwork before of like a yeah. few seasons of them doing their top ten lists and them uh, having these other guest stars, and ultimately, right. like Madonna is the was there was no one bigger in the world maybe than Madonna in 1991? Than oh sure, maybe Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson but, those two. Mm-hmm. So like having her play along with this goofy sketch of these two guys in their basement. Oh, is Richard just... Grieco too. That's the other one who is really good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think this sketch is just perfectly executed and does everything does everything you want. And she even she even gets the, uh, you know, the catchphrase of not, of adding "not" at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a tag on it. it. This this sketch also kind of reinforces that Madonna's really good at comedy. And when she tries to act, she keeps doing not comedies. Yeah. She should stop doing not comedies and do more comedies, but not like Shanghai Surprise. More more who's that girl, Madonna? Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, League of Her Own. League of Her Own. Thank yeah. you. I it, it it became the type of show it was so the, the sketches were so popular that you can tell that celebrities who were coming on the show I think, you, like you said, Michael, whether it was the musical guests or the actual hosts, you could tell they were probably like, well, we want to do a, Ra- a Wayne's World sketch, too. Yeah. Which might be why they did, like, I don't know, 17 of them over the course of, like, two years. I mean, they did a lot of Wayne's World sketches that's really heavy in the shows. There's a lot of those. Let's see. I have a list here of how many they did. There was um, five in 89, five in 90. Four and ninety-one, three and ninety-two, one and ninety-three, and one ninety-four, five, ten, fourteen, nineteen over the course of five years, basically. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. sketches. Um, so yeah, I I had the Madonna one on here, and that being Mike Myers' first on-screen kiss. Kiss. Um, my personal favorite is the Aerosmith sketch. Oh, okay. With Tom Hanks as um, Aerosmith's uh, the roadie, roadie yeah. slash. Garth's Wayne's cousin was it Wayne's cousin or Wayne's Garth's cousin? cousin? Barry, yeah, 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 Barry. <laughs> um, so first off, it's just Tom Hanks being great in a role as he is in every role on SNL. Um, and then you can just hear like the crowd is so like electric, like from the moment like the the Aurora cable, cable thing comes access, up. yeah, Phil little, Hartman's voice, yeah, and the little filler thing comes on from the moment that goes off, it's just like the crowd is it's like rock stars are there. And Aerosmith eventually comes down and plays with them. And you f- don't feel like, oh, my God, it's Aerosmith on this little, uh, doing this sketch. And, mm-hmm. You know, it feels like rock stars, comedy rock stars. They feel like they're on the same level at that point almost. Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, not necessarily Wayne and Garth. But, yeah. But as this phenomenon that they created it felt just as big as in any aerosmith album or anything like that i think you're bringing up the oral history the saturday night book where it's a collection of right commentary from the people who were there and one of the comments i, me- I remember reading earlier on in the 70s was when they had grown so popular that the rolling stones came on snl and at that point the question was who's bigger is it they're not ready for primetime players or the Rolling Stones? Right. Because they had become comedy late night rock stars. 
And because it was late night, they shared that same cachet that uh, rock performers do of the people who were staying up late doing cool stuff on a Saturday night. Yeah. So, yeah. That, and that's this Wayne's Aerosmith on SNL with Wayne's World seems like it falls into that same dimension. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think Mike Myers and Dana Carvey's favorite guest host or guest on the skit would might have been Wayne Gretzky. Oh, of course. Just yeah. because Mike Myers being Canadian and a huge hockey fan. Yeah, yeah. And then apparently, and I learned this from the uh, Life from New York, uh, Dana Carvey had never ice skated before. Hmm. So Wayne Gretzky came out there with him and, and like tied his shoelaces, the, the skate laces for him mm. and kind of gave him like a quick lesson. And Dana Carvey's sitting there going, wait a second. Wayne Gretzky is tying my shoes, my skates. <laughs> this is really weird. And bonus points for the movies, Alice Cooper, and then really the only good thing about two, which was Charlton Heston's cameo. Uh, yeah, two had it we, has its moments. We watched in leading up to this. Emily and I watched both Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two, and we didn't get through Wayne's World Two. We kind of turned it off about halfway through, and we're just like, we can we can pick it up some other night. We haven't picked it up yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. But there are like these great little moments in it. Like <laughs> you mentioned, uh, you know, one of their catchphrases, "Swing," which is obviously when like they acknowledge the appearance of a beautiful woman. <laughs> thrust their, <laughs> thrust their <laughs> crotchal regions into the air. There's just this great moment where like uh, Garth is at a bar and he's talking to someone and just girls keep walking by and he goes, swing. And he just, it's so absentmindedly swing, swing. And just over and over. It is so ridiculous and so overplayed. Um, that is one of the best moments of that really not Mediocre so, good, movie. Not so yeah. good movie. Okay. So I guess Michael is going to share his second. Am I uh, right? My next is... The top 10 lists. Oh, right and on. like, yes. it's a little derivative of like, you know, David Letterman. Yeah. But they were able to do something just slightly different with them. I think it was because they were so goofball-y about the way that they would do top 10 things they liked about Bill Clinton. Right. And it would just be like, his giant melon head. And they'd be like, oh, he's got this huge <laughs> melon. Uh, or, or mention like... uh uh, they do like top ten things that we'd miss about the dissolvement of the Soviet Union. Yeah, or bogus Soviet rock, <laughs> <laughs> or just top ten babes to go back to babes and feature the, the grandma from um, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh-huh. They would do all right. They would all right. <laughs> yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like they'd put it on there and say like, yes, yeah, kind of a palate cleanser, <laughs> and just kind of move along. But like the top ten list was just they didn't do it every time, but it was such a it was very unique to them. You can cram in 10 quick jokes yeah. into, you know, their three and a half minute sketch. And you're just like, okay, it's a perfect writer's room sort of yeah. thing. Like was, we, need, we need to come up with an additional little sketch within this sketch. Uh-huh. What are your top 10 things that you can. Was Letterman on NBC at that time? Yeah. Which is it's so funny to me because the SNL was created as a satire of television. And they were the not ready for primetime players. And they had a, they've always had Weekend Update, which is a new, a a phony news show. And they have derivated and deviated from that formula many times. But when they come back to it, these two goofballs doing their version of TV in their basement, then they score again. I think it's kind of funny. And especially doing something derivative of Letterman, which in itself was very much a meta, especially the late night show was very much kind of a meta riff on a, what a talk show can and can't be. Yeah, yeah. It's always kind of going with and going against the things that were established by um, 
Steve Allen and all these people before. So. SNL has a lot of tendencies to come back to some like tropes that they are like, okay, we need to do a sketch. They can do a talk show because it's easy to do like a panel show. Yeah. We can do a, uh, a game show. Every episode of SNL, you will see yeah. either a game show or a talk show or multiple game shows yeah. or Auditions whatever. for blank or something that's an award show where they bring out celebrities doing a bunch of mediocre yeah. person. There's a lot of, they have like a lot of things like that where they can kind of, and it's funny to think of like Wayne's World as, it's a talk show. Ultimately, it's a talk show from a guy's basement. They have, yeah. you know, sometimes celebrity guests. Sometimes it's like Garth's dad comes down mm-hmm. to be on the show or like they're you know when it first started it was like they were teenagers and it was like their PE teachers coming down and it was like Ed O'Neill but it's a talk show it's a talk show format it's just in the basement of someone's parents house okay we are at our halftime speaking of talk show formats uh, the Mount Rushmore podcast has mastered the talk show format but you are the guest you are the person we want to interact with and welcome into dialogue and talk with us and you can do that by going to our facebook our twitter our instagram and suggesting episode topics you could suggest um examples for topics that we might have missed you can let us know what you think about the show another way you can let us know what you think is by going to itunes going to stitcher going to iHeartRadio, and downloading rating and reviewing uh past and current episodes we'd really appreciate it it does help uh people who like the podcast like you might like the podcast find the podcast so that's super cool and we also invite you to support other podcasts out there and here's one of them i'm megan i'm rj And we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, plot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at ohnolitclass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lit class. We're for kids. No, we're not. Hey. <laughs> uh, we have recently posted up onto our Facebook a uh, lightning round. It wasn't so lightning fast, but it was fun. So if you want to see how attractive Richard and Michael are, you can go to... You know, every episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast could be a lightning round episode if you just play it at one and a half speed. <laughs> it totally could. Just get through it fast. <laughs> it sounds like we're the Micro Machines guy. That's yeah. all. Good. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, we hope to do more of those. Uh, and if you have a suggestion for not even just a, um, a regular podcast episode but for a video episode, let us know that. We are doing the Mount Rushmore of Wayne's World right now, but our next episode is going to be the Mount Rushmore of Marijuana. Maybe this will be posted in time for 420. No, it'll be earlier. <laughs> oh, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> we, Let's see. we could postpone it. Uh, All right, whatever. No, okay. I'm not going to. Uh, well, to get you ready. you got to. Sp- oh, that, you know what? I'm going to write a note about that okay. because that goes to one of my, my choices. I okay. know. I already know. I'll write that down. And when we record that next time. Okay. Well, yeah. only a real amateur doesn't prepare for 420. So you, if, you're, if you're serious about it, you got to start preparing now. Uh, okay, so Richard Manfredi, what is your third choice for the Mount Rushmore of Wayne's World? So Mike Myers and Dana Carvey really didn't get along, maybe, probably? Is that right? That's uh, the they story. were a few years apart in age. I think uh, Dana Carvey was maybe almost mm-hmm. 10 years a senior. Something like that, yeah. 
And so imagine that you that a new coworker asks you to work on a project together, mm-hmm. right? And so the new you, guy in the office, yeah. And he's like, "Hey, could you help me out with this? I just need a little backup on it." Oh and wow! You go, sure, no problem. It's gonna be a one-off thing. Take a few minutes of my time, whatever. Now imagine the project goes so well that your bosses decide that you and the new guy should be a permanent team. Oh wow! Then it turns out you don't like the new guy. Wow! Imagine that. That's essentially what happened. Is that right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, because. Dana Carvey was just on the cast of SNL at the same time, and he didn't really write any of the skits or anything. Mm-hmm. This was all Mike Myers doing. And and when he pitched the first sketch after it got picked up, he kind of just needed somebody to be Garth, and he just thought, well, Dana Carvey would work. Yeah, kind of does those like like his, his the airheaded rock, yeah, chopping broccoli, chopping guy. broccoli guy. Yeah, so maybe we can make something work off of that. And again, nobody thought it was going to be like this huge. Yeah mega successful franchise. They just thought it was a dumb one-off sketch. So sure, why not? I'll do it. Um, I mean, nobody thought it was going to be a hit. I mean, well, they did, like you said, however many appearances, 19, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, two movies, God knows how many promotional appearances they had to do together. And they had some sort of falling out, it seems like, between Wayne's World 1 and 2. Oh. Um, also, Penelope Spheres got blocked from uh, directing the second movie. Because apparently Mike Myers got upset with some of the edits she did on the first mm-hmm. one. Um, then again, Mike Myers also tried to convince the executive producers to get Fellini to direct Wayne's World 2. <laughs> so that's to tell you where his head was at at the time. Ricky Fellini? Yes. Oh, okay. Bill okay. Fellini. Bill. Uh, but in spite of, the thing that's amazing to me is, even though they weren't close, they had this amazing chemistry on, on camera. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is like... It's just an unbelievable. I mean, I, I know we joke on here about hating each other. Yeah. But I couldn't do this show if I didn't really like you guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if this this is genuine. We like getting together. We're not in it for the money. This, thank God. The reason we do this is because every two weeks I could hang out with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine if like one of us had a falling out, still showing up to do this thing every week, every two weeks, every however often we take. And you have to fight weeks. for your right to be party. on air in that friend party. But so if there was a church lady sketch or. Or something that maybe got bumped because of Wayne's World that could have happened, right? Yeah, and now, and, and now Dana Carvey probably is... That's what people remember him by. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'm looking at the the cast of that first season, or that season that uh, Wayne's World first debuted, and no one else could have done the role. No, you're not going to have Phil Hartman be Garth. Like, yeah, you're not going to do Phil Hartman. You're not going to have John Lovitz. You're not going to have... Dennis Miller really wasn't doing sketches then. He was yeah. just... He would occasionally update. pop his head in a yeah, sketch. Yeah, but he yeah. wouldn't have been like... He would have had dark hair and not... Wouldn't have done two dark-haired characters yeah. on the thing. And he would have tried and throw in like random references to 18th Kevin Nealon <laughs> would have been a little too old or wouldn't be able to be like goofy enough, it seems like. Yeah. He would it's have been, the only choice. He would have been, yeah, he would have been a little ad- adult for it. That's interesting. <clears throat> really, your second best choice would have been Jan Hooks in drag. <laughs> yeah, do, so do you have any so you have knowledge of said feud but not a reason why no they've never really talked about it okay. and you know, they did like a they did like a panel a couple of years ago with Penelope Spheres and they're all like oh we're bygones are bygones yeah and, oh wow all that kind of stuff so they apparently have made up I've heard a few instances uh, and of course this is Hollywood gossip and that the person who was ever the in the power position there the biggest celebrity is always the person who kind of gets targeted but of mike myers wanting credit for writing the movies when he didn't deserve it but mike myers did take dana carvey's impersonation yes 
of Lauren Michaels and turn it into Doctor Evil. It's essentially the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's one thing that that Dana Carvey has kind of hinted at was sort of one of the issues that they yeah. had that he felt like he kind of just ripped off his. This resonates a lot for me because I worked as a sketch comedy performer and I wasn't and never have been the best sketch comedy performer, but I was. It was my occupation for a while, and there are people who are very good at taking your character and doing it better and doing it louder and mm. doing it somewhere else. And I have never been more pissed off than when somebody takes the raw material of this thing that honestly was kind of funny and turns it into something that's really funny and makes a mint off of it. So that could have been... Jeff created the Cabin Boy character. I did <laughs> Cabin Boy. That was his and the and Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott stole it! Um, well, that's intriguing. That is intriguing, the feud, the underlying feud. I was also in a sketch that was the biggest sketch in the show. It got bigger and bigger laughs every night, and the person in the sketch and I hated each other. Oh, man. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Okay, uh, Michael Winfield, your third choice is what? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move my fourth choice up to my third choice because I think this strangely— I second that movement. Strangely piggybacks this. I second okay. that emotion. I second that emotion. Okay. Uh, it was my, it's my favorite movie moment from— the first Wayne's World movie. And it's a scene when uh, Wayne and Garth are lying on the hood of the oh, yeah. Mirthmobile. Yeah. What, what did I have down for my last one? Oh, my God. The airplane scene. scene in, 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 okay. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So we have the same scene. Well, I, well, I stole your, your fourth choice. So that moves it up to I don't a know. three. I'm just thinking ahead in terms of points. Well, that's good that I did that. I'm going to make that down. Really smart. By Michael. Okay, so that's your that fourth, scene. is it? Okay. Well, that, that's okay. my third choice. Okay, okay, okay. Third. My fourth. It okay. was his fourth, so. Okay. Um, what I really liked about that scene, other than it, it showed, it really shows these two guys as friends. Like it's outside of the pretense of them recording the show. It's right. outside of them getting this big contract. It's outside of them being at a bar, you know, Wayne trying to pick up Cassandra or someone else. It has yeah. nothing to do with the plot. It is just them talking about like, I guess it's, it's Wayne talking about Cassandra and how she's a babe, a mega babe, robo babe. And, you know, he kind of goes, does a very Mike Myers-y run down the list of ways that we can call girls babes. And then Garth has this moment. He's like, do you think when Bugs Bunny dressed up like a girl, she was hot? (laughs) And Mike Myers has this, the most genuine laugh. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a ridiculous thing to say. It's delivered so perfectly by Dana Carvey. Uh, And it's just such a wonderful moment. And then the, the giant you don't know what, why they're out there and then this plane rumbles yeah. overhead and they're like just blown away by it but it's such a pure moment of friendship between these two characters and it's interesting to have that coming on the heels of like oh maybe they just didn't like each other very much yes. yeah. yeah and the the way that they could do that as actors and pull that off and maybe they did you know maybe there was this feud that came after I think it was after, more after or that. whatever but it's just I love that scene, and yeah. I think that they featured a bit of it in like the trailer as well, right? Um, but it's just it's just so perfectly done, and it's just a good character building moment. Mm-hmm. And it was totally improvised. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, they uh, they were they had got done filming all the principal stuff. And they wanted to get this scene of them looking at uh, having planes flying overhead, mm-hmm. and apparently that was something that. They also said, okay, well, while you're on there, just go ahead and improvise some stuff. Anything that you wanted to get out that we didn't do in the rest of the shoot, now's the time to do it. And yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was just something that uh, Dana Carvey came up with hmm. totally on, on the fly. 
And so that laugh you hear from Mike Myers, Mike Myers is, is a legitimate like laugh because this is really funny. Hmm. I love the innocence of adolescence. Yeah, that is the foundation for that entire sketch. If they, if we had suffered under the suspicion that they would ever say anything clever, or uh, um, ever introduce us to any kind of new concepts or topics, then it wouldn't be any fun at all. And their well, innocence funny. is so fun. Every once in a while, they play on that uh, that idea of, but they always give like the heavy hand to the rock star. Mm-hmm. Like whoever, whether it's Alice Cooper or whether it's Aerosmith, um, whatever big deep thought they have in the movie is always given to the guy that five minutes before was on stage screaming his head out about Feed My Frankenstein. Yeah. When they're talking about the Algonquin Indians or this whether it's Alice Cooper. Yeah. Or, where, or whether it's like Aerosmith being on the set of Wayne's World in his basement talking about the Soviet Union falling apart. Right. It's like all the deep stuff is given to the guys that. Traditionally, and the, and the, you know Wayne and Garth are just like, okay, cool, yeah, right. going mm-hmm. along with sure, it. Sure. Uh, but what is your last? Point? My my last choice is the kind of third star of Wayne's role. Ah. It's not just Wayne and Garth; uh-huh. it is Aurora, Illinois, and the basement. Oh wow! And okay. so much of the show, the the concept of the sketch is that it's a local access cable TV show. Yeah, and so much of the two movies are about them being in Aurora, Illinois, and how much that really drives them. Mm -hmm. You know, in the second movie, uh, Wayne's girlfriend, Cassandra, is getting this big record deal, and the, uh, oh, what's his name character? The skeevy guy. Not Rob Lowe, the other skeevy guy. Chris Walken. The Christopher Walken. He's trying to get her out to California. He's trying to expand her world. And Mm -hmm. Wayne wants to keep everything at home. He wants to keep them in Aurora, he has this big dream sequence where he has to throw a concert and the concert is at like their local park in yeah. Aurora. Yeah. And so much of the show is about being in the basement in the first movie. It was so weird for the Rob Lowe character to re- reproduce the basement in the studio. Mm-hmm. And Garth even comments on, it. he's like, it's kind of weird looking down at Wayne's basement. <laughs> And it was strange because in Wayne's World 2, it's very obvious that Wayne and Garth move into their own place. They're out of their parents' house. But they bring that set with them. <laughs> yeah. Right. To, so everything comes back to that basement being at home. And it's like it's such a strangely important third character sort of aspect of their lives is that they're of Chicago or the suburbs, an hour away from Chicago in the suburbs. That is their world. Their world does not exist really outside of it it's too big for them they're local access guys and it's a they're big fish in a small pond yeah yes yes which i think the movie does a really good job the first one of kind of expanding this world of aurora Mm -hmm. whether they're playing hockey out in front of our friend uh justin and kelly's old place yeah that's weird to have been like we used to house sit over at garth's house yeah or whether it's the uh ed o'neill uh-huh. Oh, so good in every every little thing that he's got to do. Yeah, just in this strangely movie. angry for no reason. Oh, it's so good. And, but know, little the things, donut place, and yeah, little things like that. Like they'd go over to like the bar, the you know the heavy metal bar, and people would be like, "Yeah, Wayne's World, Wayne's World." Like they were minor celebrities of their small town of two hundred thousand people. Right. Uh, so cool. It seems like we've um, posted uh, all of our choices here, and so now this is 
my opportunity to stop and kind of realize that for the most part, you guys picked a lot of similar things. So um, let's go in the first spot with the um, Carvey Myers feud. I thought that was a compelling bit of information I had no idea about. And uh, celebrity guests, we're going to each get a point for that. So uh, Richard, you got the first point, then you each get a point for celebrity guests. You each get a point for the airplane scene. And then Jeff Hopkins gets a point for pulling out the obvious Bohemian Rhapsody as one of the biggest stars of the first film. And so much so that Myers was cast as the crappy music record label representative in the that film. Movie, that movie Rhapsody. had a lot of problems, and that was right there at the top of the list of how shoehorned in that cameo was. Yeah. It was just like there was that cameo. Did he play a British guy in it? It's like weird and Scottish, right? Yeah, it's like it's it is of the United Kingdom. I do yeah. not know from where because I think that seems to be his like mo at this point. Is he is just guy who does random yeah cameo in a British accent? I think in a movie. as his parents or one or more his of his parents from was, Liverpool. Dad was from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know, I think he does have citizenship in something partial European says UK citizenship or something like that. But yeah, he now seems to only want to play those characters or shrek as whatever is kind of scottish but um so i think that's for i also wanted to comment on do you remember how laura flynn laura flynn boyle was this girl who was so annoying oh yeah here was she was one at the peak of her hotness and she was playing this gal who was just this nerdy girl next door who just could not shake loose a gun rack a gun rack <laughs> i don't even own a gun a, a gun <laughs> uh the funny thing about uh, I, if I, I if I can end this on yes. flashing back to this picture Somebody that we threw up this. on the screen, yeah. is I remember going to school. I was in junior high at this time, and I had said I had quoted something from Wayne's World to some mm -hmm. kid named Jesse. Look how scarred I am. I even know exactly who it is. <laughs> I don't exactly remember what I misquoted, but I said it slightly wrong, yeah. and I was never looked upon by this kid. Again, like you blew it, like I belong. <laughs> I blew it. I screwed up basically a rock and roll lyric to something that I said was my favorite song, and he, it was just it poser. was over. You're a poser. This point. yes, officially. Yeah, That's... but look, look, I got the hat. You still got the hat. I wish I had that hat. Uh, well, Wayne's World exists in our memories and in that photo, mm -hmm. and uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. Uh, party on! I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.